0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We have a ton of picks to get through on today's show, so we are going very, very short on anything that is not pouring through extraordinarily dry mock draft data. Yes, it is indeed the case. It's August the 20th, everybody. I've lost track of number of shows, and I think I'm going to give up on that because it was a fun ex- exercise while I was able to count, but apparently I can't get past about 40 without losing track. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, end of another week, less than two months from the start of the NBA season. I am Dan Bespris. This is a HoopBall presentation, and we are going over the earliest real mock draft that is basically out there right now. It was uh, hosted by our buddy Josh Lloyd. A number of notable fantasy basketball analysts got together for a quickie. This is 60-second picks, no slow draft stuff. So uh, Some people I think, I'm sure, myself included, by the way, had to make some picks that maybe we weren't entirely laser-focused on. But our goal, yesterday and today, yesterday we got through the first two rounds, today we're going to try to do about six additional rounds, is to pick and choose a little bit. Hunt and pick, the way that most of us learned how to type. Those that didn't use Mavis Beacon teaches typing. Uh, figure out who's going where, what does it mean in terms of how this may shift later ADPs, and what we can glean information-wise from any one of the names on this board. First and foremost, follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is the time of the season, the time of the year, where people start to return to the podcast after X number of days or weeks off. So welcome back to those of you that had skipped June and July. Honest to goodness, I can't really blame you if you needed just a few weeks to decompress from basketball, but at the same time, shame on you, because our off-season episodes are probably the ones we have the most fun with. I love our off-season stuff. I mean, this is like... I always really, really, really enjoy it. Because we can deep dive whatever the hell we want. And it's coming back, friends, confidants. It's coming back. Uh, I can see it. Because I can tell when people are actually listening to podcasts. It's not that insane. So, um, welcome back is the, uh, the short version on this thing. Welcome back to the podcast. I am always grateful to have you back. No matter whether or not you left us for, uh, <laughs> no, whether for a month, three weeks, six weeks, whatever it happens to be. We're very happy to have you back. You joined us just in time for some breakdown stuff. Whatever you the hell you want to call it, on uh on Mox. This is me like sifting through some numbers while I talk on air. Yeah, I mean it's it's we're 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 into that stuff now. Um I can't believe the season ended three months ago. That's crazy. I'm not gonna redo the top twenty-four on today's show. I am gonna pause at some point in the middle of the podcast to remind you of our odds boost pals over at mybookie.ag but that's not going to be the front end of this thing let's just dive right on in, first pick of round three was Chris Paul and this is a guy that I'm going to be tracking very closely it was our buddy here at Hoopball, Mike Passador who took CP3 at pick 25, and I'll say this, because this was a 9-cat head-to-head draft more than anything else, again this was a head-to-head mock Chris Paul's a guy that has to have, even me, the biggest of Chris Paul proponents, a bit concerned. Because he had off-season surgery after they were eliminated from the finals, and he's played basically every game for two seasons in a row, something that almost no one else in the NBA can claim. And this is a guy that for a couple of years had been kind of dinged up with little hamstring things of that nature, and then to have the long postseason the shortened off-season, he's an older cat. I know he renegotiated a fat new contract, but he's an older cat. So it feels like you're playing with fire to assume that he's actually going to get 90% of his team's games or above for a third consecutive year. You guys know me. I am a big-time Chris Paul guy. Last two seasons in a row, we've been riding him about as hard as anybody in the entire fantasy landscape, and it's been... A colossal win. Chris Paul helped carry our teams the last couple of years because we were able to get him mid-third round, late third round, and then mid-third round, two seasons running, and he's been a first-round pick in those two years by totals and mid-second by averages. This year, Chris Paul was number five by totals in nine category leagues. 50% shooting, 93% at the free throw line, 16-5 and 9 1.4 1.4 steals, 1.4 three-pointers. I mean, it's it's just, it's been so damn good. And then the problem is, we know his role in Phoenix. We know his role, and it's not going to change very much. So on a per-game basis, there's a very real chance he beats this 25 number again. The problem I have with Chris Paul this year is how far up the board is he actually going to get drafted. Do people now finally start to catch on after two Mondo fantasy seasons. Like literally carrying fantasy teams as a third-round pick. That's the one that... And it was a a layup. It was a gimme to be drafted that late, 35 range, and a guy that could be a first-rounder on a per-game basis. That was a layup. That was a gimme, whatever sport metaphor you want to do. If he's really going to go on the second turn, end of second, beginning of third, that wipes out a little bit of our wiggle room. Because now you've pulled a whole round off of his potential upside. Which again, I wouldn't be that floored to see him go inside the top 20 on a per game basis. I'm just genuinely concerned this is the year where he gets rest days. Because the Suns don't feel, I don't think they need to prove themselves in the regular season again. He's going to take a game off here and there. Because they're going to want him healthy for the postseason. I think he's going to get injured at some point this year, regardless of rest day. So I, I, I handicapping Chris Paul after after the last two years, we've kind of been handicapping him to miss about a dozen games, and it hasn't come anywhere close to that. Still felt like he was going to exceed his value point with an ADP in the mid thirties. Now, if it's really the mid twenties and he's really going to miss a dozen ball games, well, you've you've really squeezed the value. Zach Levine went at 26. Uh, That's too early for me. We talked about that when we were talking about the trade, or the, uh, not the trade deadline, but the uh, free agency, which sort of all rolled together into that. I love Zach Levine this year. He was awesome. 51% from the field. He was number 25. So this is really basically where his per game numbers were this last season. My issue is just that this is not a commentary, by the way, on how I think the Bulls are going to perform as a team this year. It's just a matter of there are only X number of possessions in a given basketball game. And Zach Levine took 20 shots a game this year. With Vooch there the whole season, DeRozan there the whole season, I don't see how he gets to 20. 17, 18, still quite a lot. 18 shots a game would be quite a lot of shots, but there's got to be a step backwards. And what if he doesn't shoot 51% again this coming season with three and a half three-pointers to boot on top of the other stuff. I mean, this was, from an efficiency standpoint, this was a pretty significant jump. Uh, Outside of COVID, he's actually been pretty damn durable. So there's the opposite side argument, which is, hey, if you take Zach Levine at 26, he might be 35 to 40 range on a per-game basis, but he's probably going to play more games than the average NBA player this year, and that probably shifts him back pretty close to his ADP. So this is not all that far off for me. I think this is pretty close to where he should be going. Kind of the same story, really, with Chris Paul, but that also means that it it does kind of pinch off some of the value. And the funny thing is, I almost would rather have Levine because of the durability element. We'll talk more about that as, as the season approaches. Julius Randle went at 27. That's a hard no for me in 9-cat head-to-head. I know he had a great season. There's no arguing how good Randle was. He was number 39, played in 71 out of 72 games for the Knicks, I'm sure he's going to try to play in every ball game this coming year as well, so maybe you give him the durability nod. But this last season it was Julius Randle and then it was like you got to go way down the board to get to RJ Barrett. But halfway through the year they added Derrick Rose, this off season they added Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. His usage is going to go down in a big big way and Julius Randle's value is pretty much locked in with his usage. He scores He hits threes, he rebounds, which I guess is not really usage, but assists. He had six of them this year. Free throw percent ended up being a positive for him on six attempts per game. If he loses points, threes, assists, and the impact of his free throw percent, no bump in field goal percent for him is actually going to offset that. So Julius Randle, I think, is a guy who generally gets overdrafted this season and someone I'm probably avoiding. I'm not going remotely close to fast enough on today's podcast. I'm realizing we're 10 minutes in and we've done three names. Good Lord, Dan, get it together. All right. So maybe we won't get through all this stuff. We might have to trickle into Monday. Who knows? I get There's so much to talk about. Brandon Ingram at pick number 28. Uh, I see no problem there. I see no problem there. Ingram was on a per game basis, a little bit of a, of a downer this year at number 51. That should come back a little bit this coming season. The Pels have unloaded not Zion, but pretty much anybody else that was gonna be pushing Ingram for shots. Maybe a little too early. If you're not if you if you think he misses ten twelve games, he probably doesn't get to this mark. If he plays most of his ball games, he does. I just I don't think there's much left there. I feel the same way about Levine. This feels like a like a best case scenario unless they play like 80 out of 82 games. Jalen Brown went at number 29. He was someone who got off to a a lightning-hot start and then cooled, ended up finishing at 36 on a per-game basis, did miss 14 games this last year. And, again, this is probably a bit too early. Although he will have, uh, like some of the other players we talked about yesterday, um, a lot of usage because Kemba's gone in Boston, and they didn't really bring in a big-time usage replacement guy there. And we haven't seen Jalen Brown hyper-durable either. So, um, yeah, a little bit too early for my taste. At least in head-to-head formats. Like uh, Arguments on some of these guys really, to me, does come down to whether or not we think they can play 70 to 82 games this coming season. And with Brown, I don't know. Devin Booker went to pick number thirty. He's a guy who, who dramatically underperformed where he was drafted last year. He's number 75 on a per-game basis. He was durable, and that's great and all, but no. No. Uh, there'll be an eight-cat bump on a guy like Booker with three turnovers a game, but without him getting all the usage on the planet and assuming Chris Paul is mostly healthy, he, Booker is like top 50. Uh, per game guy, almost at best. You can do better in the middle of the third round. You can do better, just in terms of upside. Zion Williamson went at pick number 31. I don't think I have the right to speak on Zion Williamson because I got him very wrong last year. He ended up at number 68, way better than I would have expected. Did miss 11 ball games. I don't fully know where he gets better. If the free throw percent gets a little bit better, that's probably the one spot you'd look at that could significantly change his fantasy value. The other stuff probably isn't going anywhere. And they added a better rebounder at center in Jonas Valanciunas, so I don't think that there's an expectation that goes up. This is, this is very much too early for me on Zion, but if you guys wanted to argue with me on it, I'm, I'm fine with that, because again, I totally biffed it last time around. You kind of have to be punting, I think. I took Chris Middleton at pick number 32. I was a will bit a bit distracted on this one, but I don't really regret it. Middleton was pretty good this last year. He's number 41 on a per game basis, played in 68 out of 72 games. My, my problem with my own pick is the same thing I've talked about with some of these other guys. If Middleton doesn't play in 75 or more games, he probably doesn't get to this spot. He's quite safe but there were better upside plays on the board that I either didn't see or didn't see fast enough. Tobias Harris went at pick number 33, and you could maybe make an argument that that would have been the smarter play. Tobias was number 28 this last year, 13 slots better than Middleton. He played in fewer games, but historically, their durability has been pretty much on par with one another, and Middleton went deeper into the playoffs than did Harris. What do the Sixers do this offseason in terms of Ben Simmons? Does it have anything? Does it have an impact on Tobias's game? I don't think so. He's going to get his 15 shots a night. He's going to get his 20 and seven, some assists, a steal, part of a block, good efficiency numbers, low turnovers. Like, there's sort of no reason to think Tobias Harris wouldn't be inside the top 40 again this coming year. And if his durability is back where it usually is, that should actually push him in front of this 33 marker. Drew Holiday went at 34. He's an interesting one because Drew was better this year than I expected. I I think we all assumed he would have some kind of drop-off given the minutes going down. But again, you have to look at the deep playoff run. And then he went and played in the Olympics. Drew Holiday was number 20 on a per-game basis, played in 59 out of 72 games. I think it's pretty reasonable to assume he's not that far off from that area next year maybe a slight hit if he's just not quite himself if the field goal percent doesn't stay above 50 but he's probably going to miss 12 to 15 games again the bucks the champs really have no reason to run him into the ground this is a pretty fair place for him i think more a guy i'd be targeting in roto because there is that per game upside with durability question marks coming off the championship so i think i like him more as a roto play here but at 34, he's got, a, he's got a, a case to beat that in head-to-head as well. Donovan Mitchell, a pick number 35, um, definitely a guy you lean more towards in head-to-head. I know he missed a bunch of games this season, but prior to that, he had been a pillar of durability, and I would expect that he's kind of lusting to be that again. He was not good field goal percent wise this last year. That's something that could actually get a tiny bit better. He took a ton of three-pointers. So that may be part of why the field goal percent went down. But he still finished at 46 on a per-game basis. If he's durable, he beats this 35 draft position. If he's not, he doesn't. It does come down to health for him being drafted at 35. If you can get Donovan Mitchell in the 40s, you definitely do it. In the 30s, you're banking on health. Probably the same story for the next guy, LeBron James, who fell all the way to number 36. That is very much the case of him being kind of down on the pre-rank board, so nobody saw him. Because LeBron went at 34, or he was ranked 34 last year, and that, to me, was about as bad as it could get for LeBron James. Now they bring in Russell Westbrook. He's not someone I'm targeting, but if he falls to the end of the third round, you kind of have to. So, yeah, no problem there. DeAndre Ayton went at pick number 37, He was basically a 40-range guy uh, for the last, like, 50 games this year. A lot of people remembered how slow he started. He was top 80 for about a month and a half, and then he was top 40 the rest of the way. Uh, Aiden finished at 44 on a per-game basis. He was inside the top 20 by totals. I love that in head-to-head, but they did go to the finals. Does that have an impact on his legs this year? Could he possibly play all but three games during a full-length regular season. I'm inclined to think the answer is probably not. I would say odds are that he will miss five to ten games, and so you kind of need to get him basically right where his per-game stuff is going to be. This isn't that crazy. If you have the first pick of the fourth round, he's not getting back to you at the end of the fifth round, so if he's the guy you want, go for it. I do think there's probably some better upside guys floating around still, but I don't really have a problem with this one. Lonzo Ball at pick number 38. Um, not my favorite play on the board. I think this was Josh Lloyd. I think even as he made the pick uh, in the draft room, he said something like oops, or <laughs> I don't remember. Um, Lonzo was good this last year. He was number 48, but he's been hurt throughout his career. There's sort of no reason to think that turns around in Chicago. He's going to have a number of people in front of him in the pecking order. I wouldn't take him any earlier than where he was per game last year, which again was 48. And honestly, I'd rather try to get him closer to 60, although with his last name being Ball, there's always going to be hype, and uh, so he's not going to fall that far. I pick number 39. No one's taking that dude's job in Atlanta. He was great this year. He was the anchor on their defense, averaged 15-14, uh, two blocks a game, great field goal percent. His terrible free throw was a, a downer, but far that more than offset by the good stuff he was doing. Uh, second rounder, both bond averages and by totals. Uh, normally he misses 12 to 15 games. He only missed nine this last year. But, I mean, nobody's coming for that job. That's his job. They're way better when Clint Capella's on the floor. Atlanta's a pretty damn easy, easy team to handicap, so I really like getting him uh, in the fourth round. Love it. One of my greatest fears going into this draft is that Clint Capella was going to get drafted in the in the early third, like where Vooch and Gobert were going last year, and that would wipe out some of his value. If he's really going in the fourth, maybe later, if you're not in a pro draft, we'll find out, I guess, on that front. Uh, then the value's still very much there. De'Aaron Fox at pick number 40. He's a polarizing one because he had, uh, I mean, he, his season goes as his free throw. Throw stroke goes. He shot 72% at the line for the season overall, and he finished at number 72 overall. However, if you look at like the last say 25 games of the year or so, he shot 77% at the free throw line, and he was number 25. If you eliminate that massive negative for De'Aaron Fox, he gets wild and wooly pretty fast. Depends on what you think you're going to get out of him this year. If you think he's going to be a 76% foul shooter, you can take him at 40, and he could he could beat that number. I'm going to pass on that. Um, it's unclear to me what Sacramento is going to accomplish this year. Uh, I, I tend to think that high scoring point guards tend to go a little earlier than they should. Last year, we actually saw that there were a lot of guards available on waiver wires late, so I'm probably not going Darren Fox. Only because there is that big question mark, something you just can't handicap for. Does his free throw stroke resemble the second half of this season or the first half? Or is he someone who just has hot stretches and cold stretches at the foul line, and it's going to average out to the low 70s at the end of the day, and he's going to be more of a top 60 fantasy guy? I took John Collins at number 41. I felt like that was about the safest thing I could have done there. Collins was number 41 over his last 30 games this season. He's shown himself, other than suspension, really, to be pretty durable. Played 63 out of 72 games. I don't know that I'd give him what I call the 10th category of durability, but the fact that he's got his contract locked up and everybody's kind of happy in Atlanta now, he'll just do the same thing next year he did this season, which was mid-40s on a per-game basis. He's a fourth-round pick who, if durable, is a second- or third-rounder by totals. There's just sort of no way that he's any worse than, like, 55 per game. And the only way the whole thing explodes in my face in terms of this mock draft is if he gets a, a significant injury. And that's the—I mean, you could say that about any, any player on the board. Ben Simmons uh, drafted at number 42. Uh, no thanks. I mean, you have to be punting. And I think this team was punting because they have Zion— Bam and Luca, Yes, yeah, so that's a punt team. So we, we sort of can't handicap that one. We'll just jump over Ben Simmons. I don't think he's going at 42 unless you have a punt team in your league. Anthony Edwards went at pick number 43. And um honest to goodness, this is one where I don't really know. He was number 42 in fantasy the last two months of this just-completed season. He averaged 23 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, 2.1 defensive stats, 3 threes, 47 from the field, 78 at the free-throw line. I'm guessing the free-throw stroke probably gets better for Anthony Edwards. I don't know that the 18 shots per game goes up, though. He saw a lot of his big jump when D'Angelo Russell was out, and then Cat missed time, and Malik Beasley basically missed the entire second half of the season, suspension, and then injury. If, uh, if the wolves are fully healthy, Edwards is kind of in a four-man usage share where Cat, Edwards, D'Lo are kind of in the first tier, and then Beasley right below them. But still, he's going to get his you know dozen shots a game. With that many guys that actually want to be doing things on offense, I have to assume Edwards' usage goes down. So probably forty something. On a per-game basis, that that likely is more the high watermark for him. But again, if his free-throw stroke gets better, then that, this whole thing could push upward a little bit. He's going to get drafted early uh, because he's super exciting. He's, to me, probably coming in with a little bit too much hype after a really good second half. I mean, he certainly earned it. But 9-cat head-to-head, yeah, you know, he's young, so uh, you're hoping that the durability thing is there. I like the Wolves as a team to target players because I think they're going to be trying to compete this year. But I also don't really like D'Angelo Russell's fantasy game. And I don't really love Edwards yet, although it's getting there. And maybe it's cat. Maybe cat's the guy that we need to be targeting on this team. Although he's still going in the top five, it seems like. So maybe not OG Ananobi at pick number 44. Another absolute gimme. If he stayed healthy this last year, he finished at number, uh, where the hell was OG Ananobi? I lost my place. 35 per game. Uh, and he'll just continue to get more responsibility going forward. So I, I like this pick. Um we're we're always going to be worried about Toronto, the health of players in Toronto, because they play so many minutes, but uh he'll beat this mark. And I and I would bet my life that he goes later than this as you get into the non-pro portion of the proceedings. Miles Turner at pick number 45. I like it there. We saw how good he is. When he's turned loose and healthy enough, I think people are going to be down on him because he missed the last uh, month and a half, two months of the season with injury. And people, I think, probably forgot how incredible he was before that. So, hell yeah, I'll take Miles Turner at the end of the fourth round because he was cruising at turn-level value before he got hurt. Here's one that everybody forgot about, and that was Yusuf Nurkic. He went at 46. He'll go earlier than that. As you get into the real draft season, he was just way down the board because of how bad he was last year. Uh, Conditioning stuff, emotional stuff, injury stuff. He ended up at 104, but he only averaged 23 and a half minutes per ball game. We saw at the very end of the season and even into the playoffs when Nurk reclaimed his starting job, he rocketed up the board. Even in 26 minutes a game, he was top 60 and he'll play more than that this coming season provided he's healthy in condition not dealing with any stuff abroad uh he'll he'll get his 28 29 30 minutes a game and then he's a top 40 per game guy almost with his eyes closed and if his free throw stroke gets better well then there's even upside beyond that so i wouldn't trust this pick i think he was someone we all just sort of forgot about because he wasn't where he should be in the fan tracks pre ranks uh he'll go earlier than this i don't i don't think we can trust this this number JV at 47 is a number I think we can trust. He'll get a role in uh, New Orleans. It won't be quite as significant as it was in Memphis. And that's a pisser, because you know how much we love JV. He's one of our favorite guys here on the show. Just an easy fantasy value. Averaged 17 and 13 last year. He was number 31 per game. Durable. Had a couple of weird COVID scares. uh, But good percentages. Great field goal. Decent free throw when he got the blocks going in the second half, and I'm not talking like big, I'm talking like 1.2 instead of .8, he was a top 15 fantasy player for a long stretch this last year. Now he's going to go to a place where the usage is going to be a little bit harder to come by. Zion in the front court is going to clog the paint. Uh, Brandon Ingram does a lot. In Memphis, it was really jaw, and then JV could kind of fight with Dylan Brooks for whatever's beyond that. And In New Orleans, he's very much third, or deeper even, in the pecking order. And so that'll knock him down a peg, but what's a peg, really? Top 50 instead of top 30? I still think he's going to be a pretty good fantasy value. I would not be surprised to see him actually go later than this, because I think maybe, as you get into the public part of the draft season, you see people start to look at him as someone who takes a hit in his new digs, or maybe they just forgot he got traded altogether, the public, and this is where he goes. Christian Wood and Rashawn Holmes at 48 and 49. I love Rashawn Holmes at 49. I was beyond irritated that uh, Mike remembered he was out there because I can basically promise that when you get into the public draft season, they won't. Rashawn's a starting center for the Kings. He's their best option there. They gave him a nice extension. He was number 33 this last season in 29 minutes a game, and he had, should have no problem duplicating that this coming year. Anything outside of the top 35 where you can get him, That's just value. Every slot he falls beyond that is value. Christian Wood, similar thing, although, I mean, with Wood, it was such a strange year. He was top 25 before his ankle injury, and then he was just absolute dog-do when he came back. Which Christian Wood will we get this coming year? Is he going to be a high-volume, 55% foul shooter who doesn't do enough in the other things to make up for it? I'm probably not rolling the dice on Christian Wood. I know there's some upside there, and once you get into this kind of fifth round area, you can you can take that shot where the downside is not that large, but I'm I you know me, I'm petrified of someone who can tank my my free throw percent, and he gets to the line a lot. DeJounte Murray at pick number fifty. We're cruising along a little bit now. We'll do about another 15 minutes and put a pin in this thing. DeJounte Murray at pick number fifty with no DeMar DeRozan, he's gonna be asked to do a ton. Got 14.5 shots per game last year. I would expect that number to go up. The problem, of course, with Murray is that he doesn't shoot the three ball. uh, Somehow doesn't block any shots, despite being the longest guard ever. 16, 7, and 5.5 this last year. If the free throw percent comes up, if the field goal percent can work up a little bit, he can beat this 50 mark. And he beat the 50 mark last year by totals, because he played in 67 out of 72 games. I'm a little worried that the Spurs end up in a bit of tank mode at the end of the year. So I'm not quite targeting Murray the way that I might be in a Roto league where I'm not so concerned that they might just pull the plug with you know eight to ten games to go or something like that. It's, that's, it's, it's an afterthought in Roto, but it has to be something you consider in head-to-head that they'll go a little bit lighter on him if they're just not very good this year, which you know they might beat expectations, but I think expectations should be pretty damn low. JJJ at pick number 51, um, real curious to see where he ends up going once you're into public draft season, because this is a guy that can blindly fall into top 50 value. I thought people would forget about JJJ this year, but the pros didn't hear. I bet he goes in the 60s, and I would go nuts for him in the 60s. That's That would be one of my love picks of the season. We'll see if he falls that far. D'Angelo Russell, pick number 52. He's a tough guy to trust. Generally banged up. Going to be sharing the ball, the floor, with a lot of guys in Minnesota. I just don't really like his fantasy game. That's what it comes down to for me. The better 8-cat option. Not a great foul-shooting guard. Uh, Not a great field goal percent guard. In fact, generally pretty horrible there. Points, assists, threes, steals. That's not bad, I guess, but... I don't know. I'd rather go with a safer play here. Even the guy behind him is a little bit safer. Tyrese Halliburton, second-year Sacramento King at 53. Uh, A lot to like on Halliburton after the rookie year. He was very safe, very steady throughout the year. Finished at 65 by averages. I would assume he does a little bit more this coming season, although 53 is probably a little bit early. This is the expectation that he improves going to be tough for him to improve on the efficiency stuff. It's going to have to come in usage with Halliburton. Get him in there, uh, get him, you know, 13 shots a game instead of 11, make him a a more feature piece for the entire season. Because remember, he got off to a slow start, and like normally I'd pick on Luke Walton for something like that, but no, he was a rookie. There was no reason to thrust him in there. Problem is that, like, it didn't really change that much for Halliburton as the season went on. His minutes went up, but his usage didn't change really as the season wore on. In fact, his field goal percent dropped a little bit as he was asked to do a little bit more. So uh, you've got to be pretty confident that things are going to improve for him. And to me, it's not worth it's not worth the chance on some of these guys, especially here still when you're talking about some of the players still on the board. Uh, Time Lord went at 54. That was Jonas, so you knew he was going to take him a little bit earlier. Time is not going to go at 54 in traditional drafts. Uh, I think he's playing 21, 22 minutes a game behind Al Horford. That's good enough to get him near the top 50. So this is where he probably should be getting drafted. I would bet most of what I own that his ADP is a bigger number than 50 when we actually get right down to the the true draft season. I bet he's going in the 60s or 70s. Russell Westbrook at 55. Uh, This is our punt free throw team. So again, this is not really indicative of where we think he's going to go. He probably goes earlier in public drafts. But I don't want him. I took Pascal Siakam at 56. Honestly, I was just kind of surprised that he was still floating around at 56. I thought Siakam had about as bad a year as he could have had this season. And he was number 49 by averages. Um, But then I remembered that Siakam is dealing with an injury. And so that kind of threw things Uh, A bit out of whack for me. Um, Trying to remember once again where the timeline was. And this is all happening in 60 seconds, remember, while I was playing video games with my kid. And I think in the moment, I was thinking he'd be ready by around the start of the season, but then I I went back and I sort of counted on my fingers and toes, and I think he's expected to be back uh, in November, which... For head-to-head means that's a hard no. And in Roto, frankly, that's a hard no for me also. So this is this is a pick I regret. Uh, in my mind, I just got my wires crossed, and I should have gone with the guy I had next on my list, which was the guy who went immediately after me, and that was C.J. McCollum, who went to pick number uh, 57, and that's a, that's a gimme. Like a worst C.J. McCollum is right around that mark. He's generally pretty durable, although he did have a, a broken foot this year, and that cost him 25 games. CJ was number 30 per game this year. That's a great pick in the 50s. Love that one. Way better than mine. And the next guy, too, Kristaps Porzingis at 58. Like, that's that's way too late for KP. I don't like Kristaps Porzingis from a, like, is this someone I want to have my fantasy team standpoint, but 58? He's coming into the season healthy for all we know, and he was number 22 per game last year. So even if we just assume... He misses, like, 18 games? I don't know. Like, is he going to sit every single back-to-back? Probably. Will there be some other injury that we have to deal with? Probably. He missed 29 games this year, but he also started the year hurt and missed the first month of the season that way. So, really, after that first month, he only missed about 15 more. If he misses 15 games and gets drafted at 58, that's a win. Even in head-to-head, where you're losing a game every other week to a, uh, a back-to-back... Uh, In Roto, this is like the best pick on the entire board. In head-to-head, it's still pretty good because that's way late to get someone with second round per game ability. So we all collectively in this mock draft should have let out an oops that we let it get that far. Me, in particular, that I had to pick two in front of that and then my brain farted on the guy who was injured. Gordon Hayward at 59, that's a pretty safe play there, although he finds his way into some sort of weird catastrophic injury every year. He'll be better than that, probably, on a per-game basis. Can he stay healthy? I don't know. Uh, A guy I'd be much more inclined to target with a games cap, so if he misses some time, it's not a big deal. Uh, But again, it's 60 and head-to-head, he'll beat that per game, and then you just need him to play, like, 68 out of 82, and that should be enough. I don't know if he gets to 68. Honest to goodness. Bogdan Bogdanovich went at pick number 60. He is another guy I probably shouldn't flap my gums about because he finished at number 50 this last year. And, uh, yeah, he just, like, his fantasy game fit in Atlanta way better than I expected. That was one where I thought he'd be much worse. So, fine. Like, take him at 60. I'm I'm probably just going to dodge him because apparently he's a dude I can't handicap. Mike Conley at pick number 61, uh, Way too banged up for me for a head-to-head league. He played 51 out of 72 games, and nobody even batted an eye. It was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much full season for him. So, nah, too hurt. Too old, too hurt. I know, weird for me to say it, but this is a head-to-head league, so too old, too hurt. Isaiah Stewart went at pick number 62, and this is, to me, a, a very strong indicator that uh, some of the other pros are going to blow up the value on Isaiah Stewart going into draft season this year. Our hope, as you guys recall was that um, headed into free agency, he was like the thing, because they got rid of Mason Plumlee. And then they picked up Kelly Olenek, and I thought, all right, well, that's not great for him. But maybe it'll drive down his price tag. But if he's going in the 60s, well, that sucks, because that pretty much wipes out his his upside, which is top 50s. Does seem to be pretty durable, though. I'm hoping that this doesn't completely ruin Isaiah Stewart. That's my hope. Let's do three more. Jalen Green at 63. Well, who's that? (laughs) A rookie going off the board is just one pick. Everyone else gets closer to me. You know how I feel about that stuff. Terry Rozier at pick number 64 just signed a max extension. And uh, no reason why he shouldn't get relatively close to what he did last year. It was a great season for Rozier. He might not be quite so great with uh, Charlotte kind of adding some stuff. But he was, he was really, really good. He was number 38 per game, 69 out of 72 ball games. Just obliterated uh, his one, basically 100-level ADP last year. So the fact that he's going at 64, people are kind of splitting the difference. And he probably beats that again. And the last pick of this one, uh, I took Kemba Walker at 65, which is a much better play in Roto than head-to-head. Uh, this one was not a brain fart. This was me having a little bit of fun because everybody was like, Oh, Dan... You're not taking nearly enough old guys. So I said, screw it, I'll take Kemba, who's going to go play for Tom Thibodeau, who's going to ask him to play 35 minutes a game. Kemba's going to get himself hurt. I don't know if they're going to rest him on back-to-backs for his, uh, his knee stuff. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Regardless, he's a terrible player in head-to-head because he's going to miss time at some point this year, and it's going to ruin your head-to-head team because you just can't take zeros. And everybody's like, well, what if you have an IL slide? Yeah, but I mean... It sort of doesn't matter because if you have one IL slot, Kemba gets hurt, someone else is going to get hurt. The IL slot just functions to shrink the waiver pool. That's really all it does in an unlimited head-to-head league. You need the guys you're drafting in the first five or six rounds to actually play. After that, if you had to drop someone, I guess you could. So, yeah, I mean, I was having a little bit of a chuckle here. At the same time, he's probably going to get to do a lot in New York. If he's like their guy now, if that's the way this turns out to be, he's uh like he's he's going to have a lot of stuff to go on. But he's probably going to be more of like a top fifty, top sixty per game guy. So the fact that it took him at sixty five, honestly, it's just not late enough. It's not late enough. Uh, there are other guys on the board here that are more durable with better upside. Not a good pick. I'll say that about my own mock draft. It was more of a joke pick. I even typed that in the chat room as I was doing it. Hopefully somebody had a laugh. Uh, In Roto, he should probably go around 75. In head-to-head, he should probably go around 90 because he's going to miss some time, and it's going to cost you. At least in Roto, you can fill in those games. And we will do the other 35 of those on Monday because, I mean, we're 40 minutes in. I don't really want to do another 25 minutes of show here. My voice need not to be exhausted. Friends, have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend. Please go get 25 free dollars. Real cash, not promo bucks, actual money you can withdraw and use on goods and services around the country at mybookie.ag. Go there now. Sign up for an account with promo code HOOPBALL on the third page of signup. Or if you already have an account, just go place the damn odds boost bet. I just want to make sure all of you guys, however many thousand of you are listening to today's show, I want all of you to go get 25 free dollars. Even if only a thousand of you went and did it, let's go take 25 grand from a big sports betting website, our sponsor. I'm sure they're going to love that I put it that way. I'm sure they're going to be thrilled, but please go do it. And if you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. I'd be happy to walk you through it. I want to make sure everybody can get that 25 bucks. Spend it on something at hoop ball for all I care. Spend it on something yourself. Get yourself a meal, a bottle of wine, whatever. Like, just do it. If you have an account already, this shouldn't take you more than 60 seconds. If you don't have an account, it should take you about five to 10 minutes. Either way, uh, if you're making $25 every five minutes in life, you probably don't need to be playing fantasy basketball for a couple hundred bucks. (laughs) No, but really, like, $25 $25 in five minutes, we, shall, we should all be so lucky. That's a very high hourly rate. And that's what this is right now. So let's all go do it. I already placed mine. I did it a couple days ago. I can go screenshot it if you guys need me to do it. I'll put that on Twitter. At Dan Bespris, let's all do it together again. Back at you Monday. We'll finish up this mock draft, and then we'll get into the buckets. The buckets. I like the word delaying talking about It allows me more time to say... Buckets. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.